Hello and welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Alex Segura. We hope you enjoy. From there, you and me and Mr. Joe Eisma uh, got to make To the Archies, which was a, a very fun book and a lot of musical guests as them as a touring band and living life on the road and breaking up and having fights and playing terrible gigs and meeting other <laughs> bands and i was i would always be like it's really I, that was a really fun one for me because i would always pitch it to people and i'd be like yeah it's like a realistic look at touring and yeah. they'd be like oh that's cool so like what's it like and i was like you know it's about them like breaking up and like fighting and like playing terrible shows and i was like and in this one they get to you know play with the talking heads and people would yeah. be like what and i'd be like well it's not exactly and i'd be like and you know here they are playing a show with tegan and sarah and people would be like so it's not really what it's like and i was like well no there's no no it's like what if archie was in a real band but um you know when i tell people like they're like well what's the story about i'm like it's a story about failure yeah. and like how maybe you don't get to achieve your dream but if you have great friends yeah it's yeah. pretty great yeah um, it's I think the, it ends. I love that last page. I was looking at it at my table this weekend because I was I had wow. some traits to sell, and it's just them playing to an empty coffee shop. Of course, yeah. we have our little cameos there. The whole team is there, sure. like, kind of cleaning up the bar. But um, I think it could have gone longer. But obviously, yeah. whatever sales direct, whatever it is. But I think I was happy with how it ran. I thought it was yeah. a nice, complete little story. Yeah, no, I, I I really love the book. I'm really so proud of it. And like, yeah. it's something, you know, I grew up on Archie, like I, as much as I grew up on, you know, Marvel or DC, like mm -hmm. Archie Digests were like a constant source that I, you know, Same. I still have all of them. And like, I, I just love Archie so much. So it was such an honor to do. And I, yeah, I wanted it to go longer just because I was having fun trying to, we were like brainstorming band cameos all the time. Yeah. And I remember like, you know the mountain goats had been like yeah we'll we'll come do it and like yeah they were in the queue they were next up they, I think. they were cute mountain goats were next and like i talked to the guys in converge and they were like into oh, yeah. it and so we were like oh yeah there's gonna be some cool bands and then they were like hey we're gonna pull the plug and we were like oh it's like yeah i'm glad we got that last issue i mean yeah, i think yeah. we snuck we snuck in speedy ortiz because yeah i'm friendly with sadie and that was cool it was great and um I was talking, I think we were close with the replacements, which would have been amazing. Yeah. And we were close with talking heads. And every now and again, I still poke them. I'm like, yeah. would you ever do that? Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, it would just be wild. Like who, like meeting like Paul Westerberg, meeting like Betty and Veronica would just be absurd. Yeah. The best. <laughs> um, yeah, no, 100%. The, yeah. uh, but it was, it was such a fun book and such a like, I, I feel like that's the like weird book that, I have in my my repertoire where it's like yeah i did the one where archie hangs out with blondie and the b52s <laughs> and people are like that's a real book and i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. and it's not like 70s blondie it's like yeah. current day it's blondie current they produce blondie. their album <laughs> yeah and now they use their art from that on their uh live show yeah the writer in me is like that's cool the former marketing person is like is that allowed <laughs> yeah, yeah uh my my sister-in-law just saw blondie and was like they have comic art on the stage. Is that from your book? And I was like, they actually have more than one comic. So you'd have to screenshot it. I could tell you if I saw yeah. it 
and like they screenshot it and i was like no that's from their like z2 book and then she oh, sent another Jimmy she said yeah yeah but then she sent another one and i was like no that's that's isma that's joe that's our book yeah that's crazy and she was like that's so cool and then she was like did they give you money for that and i was like there was no world where I was getting money for this. No. Like, yeah. and, no. and I was in like, in an ideal world, Joe would get something, but no. Yeah. I I would love it if Joe got tickets to a show. Yeah. He would, because he would be so excited. Like, yeah, he would be, he would love that. Um, he's like such a, and such a nice dude. Just yeah. Like a workhorse. A, amazing artist, workhorse, nice dude, and a music fan. So it was like sort of mm-hmm. a dream, dream gig. I, yeah. I, uh i loved working but one with thing about you know one thing that was really fun i mean you were the first writer i got to collaborate or co-write with and we were so democrat i thought it was really a democratic process like there was we were just very much like okay we're gonna split it in the middle yeah. like yeah, one yeah. T- we'd alternate i do the front half one issue and then you do the back half and then we'd flip yeah but even the plotting was pretty democratic i think i would just start a one sheet or something and then you would riff on it and then yeah. we um but i I was still i still felt really surprised like when you turn in your pages i was like oh i wouldn't i wouldn't have done it that way but i'm so glad matt did it that way because it makes the book different i I feel like i learned like even though i read archie i feel like i didn't do a good job of doing my like i knew archie my whole life i feel like i didn't Mm -hmm. do a good job of like doing my homework for it and you just were so immersed in it that you spoke (laughs) the language and seeing Mm -hmm. your script pages i was like oh he's so elegant and how like you you were you were just so efficient at like getting the beats across that you need and like mm-hmm. not cluttering a page and like i just my instincts are always like you know it's a lot of banter and a lot of this stuff and you're just like it's three panels it's 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 archie like they just they they look nice and the the pages look nice to look at let yeah. joe draw you know draw landscape and uh and i just really like yeah i think i think i would have without you like the book would have been a fucking nightmare for any Archie fan to read because they would have well, I think you like, just you made the book much cooler I mean it was like there I think it would have felt very um dry if I was doing it by myself like you added some nuance to the characters uh no. well, thank I, I hadn't expected I was surprised reading it even though we plotted it together like yeah. when we got to the dialogue pass like you would always add a line or two not like not once mm-hmm. and that's it but like a few lines and I would just be like huh I wasn't expecting that to go that way. And it would, I think there's a lot of depth to that book, not to, not to keep patting ourselves on the back, but you know, sure. if you read it as a whole, it's really a story about not about wanting something yeah. failing and then realizing that you got what you wanted. Like yeah, you made yeah. these friends, you know, they, they screw up relationships, they have arguments, they, and they meet some bands. I, yeah. Cool. I mean, I, I feel like that was like very integral to sort of, I, I feel like early on in our talks, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't love the idea of like, the garage band becomes van Halen, you know super famous no. <laughs> like it's not realistic it's not relatable and it's not the fun like obviously bands work really hard and it's their gig and like yeah. there are ones who are driven but like it's for so many bands i know and so many people i grew up with who made music like it's the journey and i was like can we just focus on that and you were like oh yeah. that's exactly what i think mm-hmm. like it's about i mean them we were people. both in music i mean yeah. i was in bands um before i got married and had kids but you know it's really can be a big downer when only two people show up to your show and then you're like what am i getting out of this like yeah you know yeah it's a it's fun music's great it's like it's like comics comics. (laughs) music is great i'm so glad you said that matthew to segue back into the topic you were talking about before you were talking about that which is not a segue at all and this is my segue that for the thing that didn't have a segue uh you guys are talking about co-writing yes 
Ethan and I are co-writing our first book right now. Congratulations. I can't wait to read it. Thank you so much, Alex. Uh, You guys are co-writing or talking about co-writing. And Ethan and I are doing it. And now between you guys saying that you split it down the middle, you're the second people to come on this very podcast and say that after um, uh, Colin and Jackson. And uh, Ethan and I, when we heard them say, we were just like, that is like fucking baffling to us. That uh, sounds like a nightmare to me. (laughs) (laughs) And so it felt really natural for us. It's 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 interesting. It's a nightmare. And it's it it can be I feel like it can be a nightmare if it goes wrong. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't, it's literally so easy because it's completely just democratic. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's no ego involved of just like, I think we even did that you'd outline an issue and then I'd outline an issue and then you'd right. outline an issue. Except and it was also like best idea wins, like the no ego yeah, yeah. plays into like, if yeah, yeah. Matt had a good idea and it kind of trumps something that I was really into, you just let it go because that's a better idea. And um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not familiar with this concept of no ego. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah, Ethan and I got way too big of ego. I, guess, I mean, so I of the other. I had it easy because Alex was also a vice president at the company holding <laughs> the book, so there weren't, there weren't a lot of arguments that I knew I could win. But also, sure. like his understanding, you know, it, I think it's different on a licensed book. Like, yeah, okay, that, sure. the, you yeah. know, like yeah. there, there's there's already an idea before you guys even get on the book of yeah. what the book is. It's you talk about it, yeah, yeah. Style. I mean, the world exists. Yeah. Uh, but I've done creator-owned co-writing gigs, and you know, it varies. But I think at the core, it has to be with someone that you're you're friends with, like someone yeah. that you can say, uh, I don't know if this works, and not be worried. Like, are they not going to talk to me anymore or like oh, is there going to be drama um and also you know i did blood oath at comiXology with my friend rob hart who's like a huge mm-hmm. novelist like he wrote the warehouse which was a big yeah. novel a speculative novel but he was also new to comics so there was a different dynamic whereas i think matt and i were coming at it from the same level of experience like this was more you know i was kind of showing him the ropes a little bit and now he can do it on his own he doesn't need me but there was more of like yeah well this is how you outline a comic this is how you dialogue a comic not in the not in a you don't know what you're doing but just like the structural stuff of it yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah i think i i feel like i i get your question griffin of like it, it's crazy just because it's so clinical in a way yeah yeah, yeah. um but i think if the if you have the like alex said if you have the trust there between collaborators like the clinical is not a problem because it's just Mm -hmm. like no one minds when you dip your toe over and say hey actually like what about this or like i was actually thinking Mm -hmm. of doing this can you set this up like those kind of notes go easily in that scenario how often would like someone do the first half the issue and then there would be maybe something a little different and the person doing the back half the issue is like kind of doing improv with it uh like does that ever happen or is it like talking about the clinical quality of it is just like this is what's fucking happening on page one two no no we weren't that tightly no (laughs) we didn't plot that tightly we We have like a couple paragraphs like saying this is what happens in the issue and yeah uh you know and uh, like i I don't want to spoil anything here about anything about a book that came out a bunch of years ago yeah but or archie comics in general but they're not um exactly high concept driven (laughs) it's not like right they're not not like murder mysteries yeah yeah it's not like as much as i want to read a jonathan hickman archie comic (laughs) like 
uh, <laughs> like House of Riverdale. All right, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. God, yeah. that would be wild. <laughs> well, I mean, I say that, but actually, like Nick Spencer wrote a bunch, and Nick Spencer is like a Jonathan Hickman style plotter of yeah. like very elaborate stuff. And yeah, uh, but I guess he kind of toned it down for his run, but which is very good. Run. Um, it's also very good when Nick tones it down, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think as long as you have the, like, we're starting here, we're ending here and like the cat, you're going to give everyone time to shine. Like Jughead's going to come in and do some Jughead stuff. And, yeah. Right. Uh, I right. think to me, like the main thing is like, it, it would feel like in, uh, even if it was mostly in my head it would feel like the voice changes bet- between the halves like like and and obviously with a book like archie you're doing a very specific thing yeah. so it probably is less so of that yeah but, yeah i think we're yeah. both doing impressions of yeah, classic right. archie and jackson and colin i think their kind of answer to that was like well we kind of just have the same voices at yeah this yeah point, right well, we'd so, also yeah. flip like you know I'd, I'd send my chunk to matt and he'd then add his code right. of paint and then vice versa yeah what I really remember too from that time is that it really synced up with your career blowing up. Like you were, like, yeah, it was really bad at the end. Super busy towards the end, and it didn't diminish the work, but it was very much like, wow, I was watching your star rise, and it was really exciting. Well, it was really crappy for you. But, no, it was but, good. I mean, I was happy for you. I know you were very kind and very nice, yeah. but there was a lot of like, hey, can you do a plot? And I would be like no yeah <laughs> and yeah, like yeah. The, towards the end i was like I, uh, just tell me what the plot is and i'll do the back half yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I uh which i always felt bad about and i actually was going to bring up and then i was like i don't need to be a bummer <laughs> but uh <laughs> i could be a bummer yeah it, it was i was uh yeah i was at marvel and and i think you were doing like, punisher you just started on punisher right i think maybe i just started on punisher and like was doing a bunch of stuff in the x office and like yeah. I, I i think there was a time when i uh, part of the time i was doing we were doing the art the archies i think there was a moment when i had to be doing eight scripts a month and it was crazy so, so when i love we were your like, stuff. thank you uh but so when you were like yeah can you just plot this one i'd be like <laughs> like man i'm on four hours of sleep three nights in a row i don't think so and he would be like that's fine and you were like the best like so kind when you should have just been like hey you were on this book before like this is your job but uh, yeah i mean i knew i was happy for you and it was uh, one of those things where it was like he's he's really blowing up now and we're gonna finish this i mean i think we knew at that point yeah we were so it was like kind of like your show's been canceled. Yeah, and yeah. you got to guess you're now in the MCU, so it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My show's been canceled, and I found out that I was now an Inhuman. Yeah, our sitcom <laughs> just got canceled, but he's he's going to be in the Inhumans movie. Yeah, uh, yay for me! <laughs> I'm Blobby. Um, <laughs> blobby, Blobby. Um, <laughs> I want to switch gears now and yeah. talk about uh, your novels. Okay. Um, this is a thing we've touched on a couple other times on the show, mm-hmm. which is the like uh, the the emotional pull, the time pull, all the things that that make doing a novel different from doing a comic. And and I always say like you know I wish I had the brain for writing a novel. I don't like I, I tried. It did not go good. You can. I can't. Definitely can't. Um, the but the. I, I don't understand how people I understand how novelists go to comics. I don't understand how comics people go to novels because so much of comics is instant gratification is yeah. is the, the the joy of collaboration. Like you ask anyone in comics, like any writer, what their favorite part is. And they're like getting art. And then you do a novel and you're like, well, there's no art. It's just my yeah. words on the page. I mean, there's co- there's cover art. Um, 
that's the one thing you have to like show yeah. off. <laughs> you be like, I got a drawing. Yeah, look. one drawing. Look, um, and I I just sort of wonder what it's like for you as you're you're. I know you were already working on the P. Fernandez books while you were at DC and doing stuff, but like once the comics ball starts rolling for you, was it hard to sit down and work on the novels? It's hard because it's a longer runway. Like you said, comics or instant gratification. You send the script and you'll probably start seeing art the next week if, if it's no. the, thing, the thing your artist is working on next. And it's that immediate buzz of like, oh, cool. Here's the pencils. Here are the inks. Here's the colors. Here's the lettering pass. And it's a whole – it's collaborative too and you get to play with others. But I love novels because it's the opposite. It's completely mm -hmm. in my own head. I am – I'm the director, I'm the wardrobe, I'm the producer, I'm everything. Whereas with comics, I love it for the same reasons. I, I you know, yeah. same reasons you get to jam with people and I can have like half an idea and I can collaborate with you and we can make it a full idea. Then we can find the artist and then flesh it out. And um, it's much more like music where you're jamming, yeah. everyone's playing different instruments and the end result is always at least different than what you visualized. Not always better. Ideally, it's always better, but you know sometimes it's not, and that's fine. Um, novels, the weight is completely on your shoulders, and it is collab in collaborative. In and that do you have like that? I, I do. I do yeah. like that. Like with something like Secret Identity, I could not have done it as a graphic novel. I, I just mm -hmm. think unless I drew it myself, which I can't. <laughs> I can't. <Sure. laughs> yeah. I mean, I could try. It just wouldn't be good. But why? Um, do you, why do you feel like Secret Identity couldn't be a graphic novel? It feels like it could be to me. It needed because it needed both. It needed that entree through prose. And then you get there. The, the Secret Identity is a novel. It's a murder mystery. But it's got comic book sequences that Sandy Gerald and uh, yeah. Taylor Esposito did of the comic that the characters in the novel create. And I needed I needed that to be the meta kind of gear shift. I needed that. And it's – it's um, so with prose, I, I just want – Sometimes you just want control and sometimes there's stories that are so internal and personal that you don't really want to collaborate with anyone on them. Um, but what the hard part is always the runway in that like by 30,000 words, you're like, this is never going to end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, this is, this is my life. I live here now in chapter yeah. 20 and um, I hate all the characters. I hate my writing. Um, but then you get to this turning point, I think three-fourths into the book where you're like, okay, now we're we're in the third act. Things are rolling down the hill and we're going to finish this and it's going to be terrible, but at least it'll be done and I can fix it. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating that like it, it, it doesn't, I can't wrap my head around it not feeling daunting and sort of oppressive. <laughs> that that's yes, the it's light. like that most of the way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you uh, just feel it's, it's overwhelming in that, Okay, I've got ten thousand words, and that feels like a lot, but it's not a lot. It's like yeah, maybe a sixth of the novel, and um, and I think you it's 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 overwhelming if you look at it completely. But if you look at it like I'm going to throw two thousand words into the bucket, and if I do that every other day, I'm going to have sixty thousand words in a month. You know, that's pretty good. My math is wrong, but you know, <laughs> like you're making progress. You know, yeah, you're a writer. You don't need but, to know yeah. math. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally speaking for myself, like I, uh, that's what personally means. Yeah. Um, the, uh, write that down, guys. <laughs> um, the, I feel like my writing expands. Like I, I write like a gas. Like it expands to fit the space I give it. And so right. a novel, I would just be like, yeah, first chapter is eight thousand pages long. Sorry, like gonna start the next chapter now. Like yeah. I just don't know. 
how to contain that. And I feel like it's something like comics. I love comics because it's so rigid because it just tells you like you got 20 pages. Like, yeah, it's algorithmic. Yeah. Yeah. Like get out, you know, you know, when, and like, you know, I've written, I have no idea how many comics I've written, but like a lot, 200, 400, however many I've written. Um, the, that becomes sort of a, a, like, a math you understand like it, that's ingrained the like yeah. okay i'm i'm at eight pages like this needs to happen i'm at, mm-hmm. and like you know part of the fun is subverting that and bucking the trends on that and i i wonder at novels like you're on your fifth novel uh no i, think uh, I just right. i've written nine Holy seven shit. have come out yeah it's crazy <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I was wasn't... five Pete novels, then Poe Dameron, six Secret Identity, seven. I just turned in Alter Ego, which is eight. And then um, I co-wrote a sci-fi novel, which is nine. I guess eight and a half. <laughs> okay. Five Pete Fernandez novels. How many of those came out? All of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, then I'm missing. Crazy. Then I'm missing two. <laughs> the last two. Uh, then I'm missing I the have, last I have two. some. I'll buy them. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a loyal reader. I'll buy them. The, uh, huh. Look at me. Bad interviewer, uh, bad interviewer, bad friend, the, the, no. the, the combo. Um, so you've written that, like how much of writing novels now, like, do you feel that rhythm? Do you understand, do you understand on your eighth and a half or ninth novel, <laughs> how a novel works and what it requires of you better than on your first? Yes, because when I started writing um, Silent City, which was the first Pete novel, which I didn't know was going to be a series. I was like, I'm going to write a PI novel. I'm going to set it in my hometown. It's going to be about someone like me, Cuban-American, 20-something or thirty early 30s, back when I was in my early 30s. Um, you know, And it's going to be like someone I went to college with. And I didn't know it was going to be a series. I wanted to write a story about someone learning to be a detective or mm-hmm. maybe ending up as a detective. Um, and I remember I read on writing, obviously the Stephen King book that every sure. writer should read. It's just it's less of a craft handbook and more of just like a guide to life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stephen King, who is Stephen King and not, you know, levels yeah. above everyone else. But he just sits and writes. He like has an yeah. idea and he just starts writing it. And the next thing you know, it's a novel. Yeah. And Michael Connolly, you know, Harry Bosch and whatever sure. Lincoln lawyer. I remember seeing him at a convention and he was doing this huge auditorium event and I raised my hand and I never do that. I never am the guy that's like asking questions, but I was like, do you outline? And he was like, no, I just, I start writing. And I was like, I'm going to do that. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think halfway through silent city, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Like Uh I'm just literally like throwing vignette after vignette and hoping that it turns into a novel. And I started, and then I started outlining and each book after that became more tightly outlined so much Mm -hmm. so that alter ego the sequel to Secret Identity, which will come out next year, the outline became the draft. You know, mm-hmm. I was writing such a detailed outline. I, I asked a friend, another mystery writer, I was like, can you give this outline a once over? And she was like, very kindly. She said, sure, send it to me. And I sent her the email and she was like, you didn't tell me it was like 30,000 words. Like, this is not <laughs> an outline. This is like a first draft. And I think yeah. um, I think the challenge with novel writing is you outline, but you also want to leave enough room that the characters can breathe and start doing yeah, yeah. stuff on their own. Um, and I think that applies to comics too. Like I, sure. I'm an outliner in that I do, you know, I'll have a short plot and then I'll do the page breakdown that, you know, if you're working Marvel method, which I like to do with creator own stuff, I like to send the artists like a breakdown and, and let uh-huh. them lay it out however they want. But, you know, when you're doing work for hire, you have to do full script. And so then you kind of level up that way. So yeah, my point being is that I've become 
much more of an outliner because a it saves me time on revision but it also lets me see the full picture mm-hmm. um but still gives me room to i guess riff or have characters do different things and and they will change like in the writing of a novel like um there's one character in secret identity that was just um a bit player in the outline she just shows up as kind of this femme fatale character at the mm-hmm. beginning and then in the writing she becomes integral to the third act and i had no idea that was going to happen but i liked writing her and she was so interesting and then i was like she's got to know something so yeah you know you just have to have enough breathing room so when that sure, happens yeah. you're not like pulling your hair out i don't have hair to pull out but you know you're not like losing your mind you know i i uh i i told someone the other day that when i outline a, a comic script now like when I do the page outline, page breakdown, mm-hmm. I leave two pages blank. Um, and, I was, and I was like, something's going to expand to fill that. And like, yeah. I won't know what it is in the outline, but when I start writing it, it'll become very clear, but I leave two pages out. And like, I said it to a group of writers and everyone was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, did I invent that? I don't think I invented no, that. What I do is I do page ranges. So I'll do yeah. like, you know, obviously you know what your opening page is going to be, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I'll say pages two to three or two to four are going to be this scene. And that gives you a little breathing room that if you go too low, huh, yeah, somebody yeah. else will pick up that page. I, you know, I, others... to, this isn't really a craft podcast. But <laughs> I don't, I Here don't, really, I don't really know what it is. But actually, the the way I people ask me a lot, so I feel like I should say it because maybe some of people listen. But yeah. I get like, how do you build a thing? And I I say this all the time. And I actually, um, I went to dinner uh, with with Alex Pacnadel recently. And he was in New York and we went out to dinner and like, we just were like, let's just talk about structure, like how we build things. And it was so fascinating because his brain and my brain are like so different. And he was just like these big ideas and you get this big idea and start pulling it apart. And I was like, no, I start with a sentence. Like Mm -hmm. for me, everything is like, describe the book in a sentence, describe it in a paragraph, describe it in a page. But what I end up doing is I do... I do what you're talking about of the range where I'm like, this mm-hmm. scene feels like it's three pages. And, but then I go through and I actually fill in like what each of those pages are. Yeah. But, I think I'm more like you in terms of just like the, the seed grows bigger and you just yeah. kind of watch it. Like I start with the character and this is something I think Wade says, it's like you get to the core of the character, you wipe the barnacles off, like mm-hmm. continuity, whatever. It's fine if you reference it, but what is the character? And then what is that short sentence about what you're doing to the character? And then that yeah. keeps growing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's and I have nothing but respect, but like I can't imagine that Grant Morrison does that. Like I have to imagine that Grant <laughs> Morrison comes that. in and goes like, "This is about the universe imploding inside of a person's mind." You know, whatever Grant Morrison thing. Like I can't even fake doing Grant Morrison, but like. So the wild thing about working at DC, and I think one of the coolest parts for me being a publicist was that I got to just like watch these yeah. great writers, like people that are amazingly friends of mine now, like Greg Rucka, like who's been a great mentor and friend, uh, you know, people like Grant, uh, Gail Simone, like just people that, you know, Brad Meltzer, um, sure, yeah. just reading their scripts. Cause as a publicist, I'd say, well, I need to read the script. I need, uh-huh. to, I need to know what they're yeah. doing, which I probably didn't. I just needed the cover <laughs> and like some solicit text, but I wanted to read the script and, uh, you know, just, it was a great learn crash course of yeah. how these guys do it. Not so much the panel structure, but just like, how do, a how do they behave like how do they behave as creators and business sure. people and um you know i still remember like hanging out with the 52 guys like you know yeah. that's the murderer's row of talent like you have of course, yeah. you have jeff mark wade you have grant greg and keith giffen like giffen, yeah. giffen like the glue of that whole operation just kind of there um and that was wild and um i think i absorbed i didn't absorb any talent but you absorb <laughs> you know yeah. you just watch and you're just like this is how it's done 
For sure, yeah. yeah. I, I remember going to the my first Marvel summits and just being like, oh, there's Bendis, there's Jason Aaron, there's Mark That's Wade, wild. there's all these people. And like, I was like, wow, they all act so professionally. And then none of that came to me. I was just <laughs> like, I'm just super unprofessional in this setting and every other setting you put me in. I'm sorry. That's who I am. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, we could do stories off air of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, but the... Um, yeah, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, I think it's so interesting to like, just to think about the way different people approach things and, mm-hmm. and different people approach writing, I think, you know, and it's such a nerdy thing to care about. And like the average comics reader, which I have to assume are kind of the people who listen to this and it must be fucking bored out of their minds. And I'm they're sorry, but like, already. yeah, they're, they're way out the door, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know, I, I think there's something so fascinating now for me, especially as I get older of just being like, how do you build that? Like, how do these people mm. do these things? And like, I, I, I hope I never get bored of that. I hope I'm always like studying that and, and learning that. And like, I, I get very jealous of like, when you talk about like, yeah, I was at wizard and I was at DC and I was at Archie and like yeah. learning that stuff. I'm like, that's amazing experience. And then it, it's fascinating to me because um i don't have a lot of that experience i have that experience like i worked in a comic shop and i Mm -hmm. i worked at black mask for a little bit when black mask started and like tried to do it and but black mask was like none of us knew how to do anything like it was (laughs) it was a bunch of people who'd never made comics before being like i I think i know how to do this like i i remember talking to um uh (laughs) this is so inside baseball it's fucking i'm ready insane but we wanted a list of all the comic shops so that I could email them and reach out to them for the mm-hmm. company that we were distributing. And so we asked Diamond Comics Distributor, can we have that? And they were like, yeah, it costs thousands of dollars. And yeah. Black Mask was like, we're doing it so that we can sell more product that you get 10% of everything we sell. Like, we're right. trying to make you more money. Just give it to us. Yeah. And, like, I was on the phone with them just being like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, we're 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 a we're not a customer we're like we're not a competitor you distribute us yeah you we're your partner (laughs) in this we're trying to make more money so you make more money and they were like that's something we sell and i was like and i just was so mad and we got off the phone and i had a meeting with black mass and i was like yeah i don't want to do this and they were like what do we do and i was like i'm gonna figure it out myself and i went through the comic shop locator website and i entered every zip code (laughs) uh in the country and I wrote down every comic shop that came up, found their social media, found their website, found any contact info I could for them and built a list that way of comic shops. And I remembered uh, uh, I went up to I was at some panel and, and Chip Mosher was there and he was it was at San Diego, my first San Diego and Chip Mosher was there. And I went to see him talk about like marketing and comics. Mm-hmm. And he was at Boom at the time, I think still not at yeah. Comicsology. And I went up to him afterwards and I was like, can I ask you a question? And I was like talking to him and he was like, why are you asking me this? And I explained who I was and everything. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, what do you have now? And I told him what I did. And I was expecting him to be like, that's, f- you're an idiot. And he was like, that's what I did when I started. Yeah. And I was like, you're kidding. And he was like, no, I literally manually, he's like, well, I had someone write a code that entered the zip codes. And I was like, well, that was <laughs> smarter than what I did. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was like, you of course did it in the smart practical way, but like we did the same thing. But I, 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 all of this is a roundabout way to say the thing that I always admire about you and, and look up to you for oh, thanks. is, is that you, you embody both like, you take your craft very seriously as a writer, you're a dedicated writer, but you have this 
hustle. You have this work ethic. You're getting yourself out there. You're promoting yeah. yourself. You're promoting the product. You're promoting your work. You're promoting the art. You promote all of it so well. And I, you know, and obviously you have training in that from from Wizard and from DC and from mm-hmm. Archie and, and and the Miami Herald and all these places. <laughs> but like, how much of that do you feel like is I, I mean, I don't even know what the question is exactly, but like, how important do you think that is to your work? How much of your work do you feel like, do you want to get to a point where you don't have to do that, where you can just be like, I just write? Is that the dream? Or do you like doing that stuff? I, I mean, I like doing it. I think I think there's there's always a risk that people will qualify your work with that. Like, oh, he gets attention because he used to do publicity or he does publicity. Like I've had, I remember once one of the peat books got excerpted on EW which is huge, a huge get at the time and probably still is. And I remember another author reached out to me and said, how does, how do you get on entertainment weekly? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, a, that's rude. <laughs> and B it's like, we are who we are. And there's, there's writers that can, you know, you have to play a little bit of the promotion side of it. And, um, yeah, I think it's just, there's never going to be a point where I just write something and let it go. You know, I mm-hmm. always try to inter- interject to some degree. It, it'll vary, you know, like with my novels, I, I mean, I invest my time into both sides, like the writing, mm-hmm. and then I'll give notes on the publicity, but I'm not the one pitching the stuff. And, sure. you know, when I do work for higher stuff for Marvel or DC, like I let their publicists drive because I would like that to be what they do if I was the publicist on the book. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to be the guy that's like, did you pitch me to Newsarama? You know, like um, yeah. they're the <laughs> professionals, but, you know, then I have my platform and I can promote it through whatever. Sure. Um, but I'll never, I think, it's a great question because I think about it a lot, but I'll never not be involved in the publicity yeah. side because I think it's just, we have to like now as authors, like creative people, like you're responsible for the whole package, like, and authors are expected to do much more, you know, yeah. like, you know, whether it's editing your content before it gets to your editor, whether it's like packaging the book, like I think there's publishers that you basically bring them a completed book and they're going to quote unquote publish it in that yeah. they will print it and distribute it. But you know, like much more the, the talent is expected to do much more. Yeah. Um, and that's fine because I think over time, and this applies to you too, you've built up those skills where you can, mm-hmm. you can put a book together. Yeah. Yeah. I can put a book uh, together. It's, it's not ideal. Like I'd love to have the support, but sure. we can do it. I, yeah, I think it's, you know, I remember just very, when I, when I was starting, Mm-hmm. I remember sitting down and I, I will, you know, I picked like 10 of my favorite comics off a shelf and I was like, I'm yeah. going to read them and I'm going to study them and be like, can I do this? And, you know, I'm sitting there with like, God knows, like V for Vendetta and Will Eisner's contract with God yeah. and like, you know, just stuff being like, can I do this? And obviously the answer at the end of that is no, I can't do this. Like yeah. I can't do what these people do. And that was something that I remember very starkly being like, but what can I do? And I, I, you hustle I've, as hard as I do. I mean, you're always. Yeah. You know. And I, I always, I always like to think like, I'm, you put me in a room with a lot of writers and I'm probably not going to be the best writer in the room, mm-hmm. but I can, I can't control whether I'm the best writer in the room. Like there are just people who are better writers than me. And I'm not like, uh, that's not something to be ashamed of. If you're a writer, that's not something to be ashamed of as a creative person. Like in mm-hmm. the same way that like a basketball player shouldn't be ashamed. They're not as good as Michael Jordan. Like some right. people are just naturally gifted at things. And like you can work on stuff and I work on my craft all the time and I study craft and I practice and I, it, you know, not just craft, but like try and take in new life experiences that inform yeah. the craft. But I, I, I was like, the thing I can tr- control is how hard I work. Yes. And that I can, I can never be the hardest 
I can never say I'm the best writer in the room, but uh, there are a lot of rooms I can walk into and be like, I'm the hardest working writer in this room. Yeah, 100. percent And there's you know, and, and I see that in you, and you make it so that I can't say that, and that sucks. But <laughs> I still like hanging out with you. No, yeah, I mean that's that's the root of it all. You work hard, and the re- it will come. Uh, it's it's a craft, you know. It's like yeah. you don't go. I mean, I'll read their authors. I read novels and comics that I'm just like they're just better at it. They're just sure. you know this. You know, I'll read like a Megan Abbott novel, and I'm mm-hmm. like her prose is so good, and it probably yeah. comes easily. You know, I've met authors who are amazing, and they're like, yeah, the prose comes easy. The yeah. prose doesn't come easy to me. I have to work on it. I have to sure. chip at it. I have to chip at it. Remind you know, go over yeah. it again and again and again. And even then, I'll read the fi- finished book and be like, oh, I kind of whiffed there, but. It's yeah. you hustle hard. You, you keep yeah. working and it'll be you can get there. It just yeah, takes yeah. a little longer. Yeah. I remember I did a panel years ago mm-hmm. in LA. I did the um the the nerdist writers panel like live in front of a crowd and uh it was like a podcast and it was mm-hmm. uh, like I was on it and there was a bunch of writers on there, but Grant Morrison was on it and Grant and I've seen Grant a lot talk about their process and yeah. and all that, but like they were just talking about how they write <laughs> and like, you know, one of the questions is just like, you know, what do you do to get in them? And Grant was just like, I sit down, like it yeah. spills out of me. Like it, it flows out of my body. And I just remember sitting there being like, I've never put a word on a page that, that I didn't struggle over. Like yeah. there's not no, the, no, and no, a is on a page without me having at least a tiny fight in my mind to be like, is yeah, that none of it is easy. Yeah. It's every, every, I've sweated over every single word and every single script I've ever written. And like, you know, do I envy Grant? Like sort of, but I also like the fight. So I don't know. It's a, uh, I mean, we wouldn't keep doing it if we didn't love it. Like I think yeah. the game is, you know, and I think the challenge is for me, and maybe you can relate to this is that I don't have a lot of runway to getting to the writing. I let my, I make it as easy as possible to get to work. You know, I don't mm-hmm. do, I listen to other authors and like, I have to put a certain playlist on, I have to have this no. candle on, I have to do it in my, my man cave or whatever, like my yeah. certain office. And it's not a criticism. Like everyone's process is their process. Sure. But my process is opening my laptop wherever yeah, I am. Yeah. My document mm-hmm. is ready to go. Like even now I have a script that's due Friday open on this same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. It's like, calling me but um sorry about that no no it's fine it's it's just like i can't i can't ceremonialize the process because then i'll never get to the game you know? oh yeah yeah for sure i i spent so long being like i need to be able to write i mean i was when i was starting i was working a day job where mm-hmm. i was working 60 hours a, le- a week with yeah. an hour and a half commute each way yeah. and i was like i have to be able to write on the subway I have to be able to write on the, I was working in Long Island. I was like, I have to be able to write on the Long Island Railroad. I have to yep. be able to write in, you know, while I'm eating pizza. Like I just need <laughs> to be able to do it because otherwise I, I'm not able to do it. Yeah, And I never let that go. Yeah. I never let that go. So I'm like, yeah, you want to drop me on a street corner? Like I'll sit down on the corner and have my laptop and I'll, I'll do two pages. Like that's fine. I don't yeah. Care. I mean, if my kids are asleep, I can jam on a couple pages and, or they're at camp. I'll, I'll write, you know, I have a few minutes between them doing things on the weekend. I'll write. And, you know, people are always like, well, how do you have the time? I'm like, I don't do anything else. It sounds really depressing, but it's actually it's amazing. You yeah. know, like even watching television or listening to music or listening to a podcast, it's all research. Yeah. yeah. None of it is just like nothing. Which is yeah. probably not healthy, but it is it works for me. I, I have I I hit a point where emotionally I was like, I need to find the thing that turns my brain off just because I'm like Yeah. 
anxiety and stress and like I'm 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 dreaming about this stuff and I'm yeah. waking up about this stuff and like and and I realize the thing for me is movies that I I like know like the back of my hand and, oh, okay. and like that is a thing where it's like oh yeah I can throw on Star Wars or The Departed or Chunking mm-hmm. Express and like that I'm not analyzing them and tearing them apart because I yeah. did that a decade ago and I'm yeah. just taking them in as a fan passively You're just and, enjoying them yeah and so like but I can't sit down you know like I'm watching the bear now and like the bear's great but obviously I sit down for half an hour after every episode and I'm like that was an interesting character choice here and like yeah. why did they do this mm-hmm. and like uh, I wouldn't have done that and like oh that's you know they did this thing great and I I'm like oh when it finishes, I'm going to want to watch it again so that I can watch it passively and not actively, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, which I guess is the blessing and the curse. Um, of, I got a quick question. Fiction. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, cause I, I, I think that your body of work is particularly really interesting because it's so varied. Like if oh, you thanks. look at your catalog, it's so like, it's like listening to you over the course of the show, it's like, you've had a, a clear career progression mm-hmm. but if you just look at your library it's like it, there does there's not a clear like path through all of it it's so varied particularly mm-hmm. like with the fact that you write novels and that's such an investment and such a labor and and even just your novels are so drastically different in subject matter and and mm-hmm. um and so i wanted to ask you, do you are you a writer that sees yourself as sort of a chameleon type where you just go, I'm doing this particular thing for this project. So you become that, or when you look at your library, do you see a lot of your own personal connective tissue between projects where you're like, well, these are all like me projects. These are all things that are, that have my signature all over them. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Um, I think we have to be versatile to survive, like in publishing now. Like if I was just a crime writer, like everything would be in that basket. And I love crime. I like writing crime novels. Um, But I also love superheroes and I love sci-fi. And so I I try to scratch all the itches, like creative itches in terms of genre. But I also feel like each story has the same kind of connective tissue in that it's usually about someone trying to overcome their own demons or own trauma and struggles to achieve something and that i know that sounds super trite and like any great fiction is about overcoming something to succeed but um it's usually someone that is grappling with their own past or grappling with some loss and some kind of um affliction whether it's addiction or trauma or what have you and that can be on a spaceship it can be in a crime novel in miami it can be in riverdale it can be whatever (laughs) even i'll bring it to my work for hire stuff too like i think about like what is it about this character that what are they struggling with like what are they Mm -hmm. overcoming um and that's that's i guess what resonates for me because that's what's interesting to me like i like hearing people's stories about you know how did you get here you know what what did you have to struggle with to get here um and I think for me, the thing that kind of gets me out of my head is exercise, which I hate. I hate exercise, but it's the one thing that like makes me check out and like worry about is my body going to break as opposed to like, right. what is this plot mechanic? And like, cause if <laughs> yeah. not, I'd be the same. I'd be dreaming about comics and yeah. whatever my novel is or, you know, cause I'm always absorbing stuff. I do vision boards, like the Pinterest boards, but I do vision boards for books and comics, like to just keep my head in there. And I do long thousand song playlists like so when i am walking i'm just listening to the playlist and like thinking about the book or thinking about the comic and it's it is obsessive but it's also like there's a lot of gratitude there like that i can do this like because Uh it's what i wanted and so Uh that's that's what i remind myself if i'm ever like bummed out about it 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're we're running low on time, but I wanted okay. to I wanted to uh, one talk about secret identity just for a sec. Yeah, uh, you know, we've touched on it, but like secret identity is a uh, is is interesting to me because it it seems so obvious for you like you you love crime you love like 70s crime kind of stuff and you love superhero comics but not just like superheroes but the world of the comics but i know that sometimes when you have this thing that's like well of course this is the book i should write it doesn't it's not it it wasn't natural didn't come easy like how Mm -hmm. did that come about for you was it like uh, a lightning bolt obvious thing or were, were you just like oh like h- how did you put that together like where does the book come from yeah that's um it was not it was a long kind of percolating thing like i knew i knew when i started silent city my first novel that i wanted to eventually write something in comics like whether mm. it was a murder mystery in comics which is what ended up happening um but i didn't think i was ready i didn't think i was good enough Like, and that's, I think it's okay for writers to be like, this is something I want to do. I'm going to put it in the file, but I'm going to get to it like five books from now. I didn't know it was going to be five or six books, but I knew I wasn't ready for that. And I knew that I wanted, you know, I read Cavalier and Clay in college and I love that book. It's like a, yeah, a lot of people love it. It won the Pulitzer, right? I mean, it's like huge. (laughs) Um, But I remember when I was reading it, I was like, I wish they'd show the Escapist comics. Like, it's so weird that I'm like, you're telling me this great, like historical comic book novel um but i didn't get to see the comics Uh, eventually they did it which was great at dark horse um so then when i finished up the pete books the five novels and before i started on the poe star wars novel i had to think about well what's the next thing and i was like i'm ready now i think i can do this i think i can bring the skill to this idea that i wasn't ready to do yet you know and so um, but I, you always need a character. And so Carmen showed up. That's when Carmen showed up. She was a lightning bolt. I was reading mm-hmm. a bunch of books about comic book history and kind of trying to feel my way around. I remember I met with the, the guy that was eventually going to become my editor at Flatiron for lunch. And he was like, well, what are you working on? And I was like, I'm working on something in comic book history. And I know it's going to have comic sequences in it. And I know it's going to be set in a different time, but I don't know what it is. And then later that week I was reading, um, the 10 cent plague, which is about, um, the huge crackdown on horror comics yeah. in the fifties. And there's a chapter in there where he interviews a woman that used to work in comics and she just kind of disappeared. Like she was forgotten because there was this crackdown comics code showed up, um, companies folded like EC comics folded or became something else. Um, and that's when Carmen appeared. Like that's when I knew who the character was. And, um, I think that was a lightning bolt, but I think the pieces of secret identity were waiting. Which, yeah. Um, so even with Secret Identity, I felt a lot of stress about a sequel because it felt so special to me. I was like, this is my book. This is like my yeah. definitive moment. But then it's like, well, then what am I going to do? Nothing after that. I have to do, <laughs> I have to keep working. So yeah. um, that's where Alter Ego kind of sp- sprung out, which was, there was another side to that coin. Mm-hmm. And were you surprised? I mean, I, you know, I, I I can't I can't measure what the success looks like on your end, mm-hmm. but it seems like I mean you're on all these like best of the year lists and like NPR and the mm-hmm. Times and all these all these like insane places are like shouting about the book. Uh and like you go into a bookstore and like, you know, I live in New York, I go to the good bookstores <laughs> okay. and like there it is. Like okay. it's um, still there. It's still there and all these things and like did that catch you off guard? What does that um, feel like to just like, I mean, first of all, do you feel like the book is a hit? Like, do you feel like it was a success? Do you, did I think it do so. what you wanted to? Yeah, I think it was a, I mean, I think it was 
it's by far my most recognizable novel. You know, uh -huh. I mean, and I, I say that as someone who's written like Star Wars and Spider-Man books, and, and those are great. And the sure. built-in awareness is amazing. But for me, it was like, um, it exceeded my wildest expectations for the book. Like, and I think mm -hmm. I'm also like, a, I think, I don't know if you can relate to this, but sometimes you're a few steps behind, like the success of something like, sure. Like I'm, I'm humble. I try to be humble by nature. Like I think we're all kind of in this together and, you know, celebrate everyone's wins and, you know, treat the peaks as you would the valleys, like, cause mm -hmm. it's all very fleeting not to get too esoteric, but, um, I, it really hit me when I won the LA times book prize and yeah. I was like, Oh, this is a big deal. Like it, it, it changed the tone of the conversation even immediately after like people that wouldn't have paid me a second thought were like, talking to me and i don't mean that in a braggy way i just mean like okay i'm on the radar now like this yeah, book yeah, is now sure. a thing um and that was really it validated the work and it uh -huh. validated like the passion and the kind of obsession because it all are i mean i don't know if you feel this but ev everything i do has to be based in some kind of obsession like there has sure. to whether it's a character like daredevil when i knew i was going to be writing that book i was like i'm going to reread every daredevil comic like i'm just yeah. going to because I'm obsessive that way. And, and yep. uh, I don't mean it in a, I'm going to know every little bit of continuity. I'm just going to like immerse myself. Sure. Yeah. And secret identity was like that. Um, and it felt like the, it was worth it. The work was worth it. And I, I yeah, I, I, so I do think it was successful and I, I think it definitely changed my career in a good way. So I'm just happy that people are reading it. Like in the most basic way, I'm just happy <laughs> people dig it and yeah. want more. Like it's the one thing that people talk to me about all the time. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And now you have the sequel coming up. Yeah. At some point. Yeah, next summer. Next summer. Yeah. Wow. So that's, it's, that's uh, yeah, it's going to be, if you read the book and there's that epilogue that is close to the modern day, Alter Ego picks up right after that. And it's, um, it's got some of the same characters. I, I call it a follow-up. It's not really a sequel in that. Okay. It's not like start, it's not like um, Rocky one to Rocky two in terms of like yeah. the same structure. Um but it's a, about a woman who used to work in comics, left the industry to do like uh, storyboarding for film. And but she was a fan of this one series, this one comic that was written by another Cuban-American woman or at least had a Cuban-American author involved, The Links. And so when this media company announces that they've they've bought the IP and they're going to uh -huh. you know, exploit it for film and television, there's like a there's a social media push for this artist to take on the series. And so she does it, but in the process, she starts to really unearth the backstory of who created this character really. Yeah. So it's a conversation about like characters we love and maybe the creators that created these characters and whether they're getting the credit they deserve or whether they're good people. And I think it's stuff we all grapple with, like sure. watching a film by a director who's proven to be a bad actor, a bad person. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's stuff that I think, I, I don't claim that the book will answer any of those questions, but it's definitely stuff that's been on my mind, especially in terms of comics. I think, you know, you read a character that's been around for 70 odd years and you're like, wow, they really kind of messed up the people that created this character. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, not, yeah. not great. Um, and how do we grapple that as consumers of art? And then there's a murder. So there's a murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> also someone dies. Yeah. Uh, and, and Sandy's doing the sequences. And the cool thing about Sandy's art is that I was like, this is a different artist. So you're, it's a, yeah. it's easy for me to say like draw different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know he but did it in a. He did it. can do that. Yeah, yeah. He made it so easy. It looks and so then, easy. and then the links comic book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Image is going to publish. So what happened in Secret Identity? There's sequences from the links, which is the character Carmen creates yeah. in secret. Ta da! Um, and 
we had I, and Sandy and as we were working on it for the novel, I was like, "There's a there's a full comic here if we wanted to do it." And um, yeah. and so Zestworld, when Zestworld launched, they were like, "Do you have any ideas?" I said, "I really want to flesh out these um, excerpts and make them full issues, but really do it like tongue in cheek, like really meta. Like this is we're uncovering this comic from the '70s and we're remastering it and republishing it for the first mm-hmm. time." Like the credits would say Harvey Stern and Doug Detmer, as opposed mm-hmm. to Alex and Sandy, and so. It was great to do it on Zestworld because they paid us to do it, and that's cool. Sure. <laughs> um, but I'd always visualized it as a print comic. And so, you know, Chris Ryle, who's a big comic history guy, was like, yeah, let's do it. So we're going to really, uh, I think, sometime early next year. Yeah, that's awesome. And, like, does it feel weird to do? I mean, I feel like comics is such a medium that, like, can never get out of its own shadow in some way. Like there's always mm-hmm. a looking back to what's come before. Right. Does it feel strange to make a comic in 2023, 2024, that's looking back at 1970s, 1960s comics? Like, is that, is that fun? Is that surreal? Is it? It's interesting. I mean, cause I have to be mindful. Like when I write like a comic now, I I'm just writing it. Like it's, yeah. but with the links, I have to think like, is this something that would happen then? Like using thought balloons is the most obvious example or sure. like, the narration is a little different. Like the sound effects are different. And so just being mindful of that nuts. I, I and I also don't want the book to feel like a cover, you know, like a, a cover sure. song. I wanted it to feel like, Oh yeah, that could have been there. Like that could exist, coexist, and not like oh he's just riffing and trying to do like Frank Miller. And this is more a Sandy thing. Like I told him, like don't don't try to just like do Gene Colan, which of course no. you can't because it's Gene Colan. But sure. um, do Sandy, but add some dressing to make it seem like it's from a different time. Yeah. Um, and so that's been the hard part. I think one of the hard parts is making it feel evocative of the time, but not like. <sighs> I don't want to disparage anything, but also there's sometimes you see comics that are clearly like someone's just doing a comic that they read when they were a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I wanted that to some degree, but I also wanted it to feel, I wanted it to be a good book, you know, first Mm -hmm. and foremost and evocative of the time, but not so much just like a, an artifact or a retro thing. Yeah. Um, well, all of that sounds awesome. I'm so excited to read the comic when it's in print and the book when it's in print yeah i'm excited for it to be done too (laughs) everything else (laughs) and and man it's just awesome watching you just absolutely crush it in in multiple mediums oh same it's a little it's a little intimidating but it's great and and thank you so much for for coming and hanging out with us yeah thanks for having me and uh yeah i'm always rooting for you and we'll, we'll jam on something soon And that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Alex Segura. Make sure to check out his new novel, Alter Ego, this November, as well as everything else he's working on by following him on Instagram at Alex Segura Jr. or by subscribing to his newsletter at alexsegura.substack.com. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.